well, representatives from the retail sector were before the Oireachtas Committee on Enterprise, Trade and Employment this morning. Gabby, they spoke of how shoplifting and antisocial behaviour had reached, quote, astronomical proportions across the country. Who did they hear from and what were they saying? Yeah, this is really quite an extraordinary uh, committee hearing from the retailers. And I think it's, it's, it's one of those sort of crimes that we don't hear very much about. We have been hearing a lot about, you know, very serious, very violent crimes on our streets across the country. But some of these quotes are just, you know, phenomenal. There was groups of feral youth and organised gangs. They're causing an explosion of crimes against retailers. These are all quotes, by the way. Yes, these are quotes that I'm taking from the committee. They descend, quote, like a plague of locusts and robbed to order, according to Tara Buckley, who's the Director General of the Retail Grocery, Dairy and Allied Traders Association, which represents over 3,500 local shops. They're a tiny minority. Retailers see them progressing to more uh, serious crime. Sharon Buckley, who's the group commercial director at Musgrave Group, who's, you know, super value, I think, is one of their shops. She's saying we will have approximately a thousand incidents a week. So if you just think of that, I mean, and this is your... um, this is your average worker dealing with it. You know, it's it's the person at the till, it's the person stacking the shelves, the shoplifters, they're um, abusing staff and they're fearless and their activities have reached astronomical proportions according to Vincent Jennings, who's the chief executive of the Convenience Stores and News Agents Association. He's saying they're violent, misogynistic. The racist abuse has been growing and it is now reaching pandemic proportions. Um, so most of the shoplifting is done by a small number of criminals stealing on a regular basis. Uh, but most worryingly, they use children to carry out the crimes. Um, but he also interestingly dismissed the suggestions that the rise in shoplifting is directly related to the increase in the cost of living, which I think, you know, to... Th- the average person who doesn't shoplift, they might think, well, obviously the cost of living has spiralled. Maybe these are just yeah, people... There is, there is no Robin Hood get, motive here. They're uh, just trying to get to the, the essentials. But And I'm sure in some cases that is the case, but uh, the retailers are making the case that actually it's a very, very deep-seated right. problem. But somebody who's shoplifting, perhaps because of the cost of living, is probably not taking the opportunity to spit at the retail workers mm. in order to get themselves noticed either. Lisa Chambers, that issue came up again and again. The age of people engaging of this is not by accident. It's by design because they're getting away with it. Yeah, no, there, there is a problem with, with, with retail theft. And I know from talking to um, you know shop owners in my own town in Castlebar and Mayo, where I live, um, that there is a feeling that they don't have the backup or the support that they need to deal with it. And uh, I know they kind of have, they, they would message each other if they need to back up in the shop that a colleague might come down the street and, and pop in and, and, and give a hand. So that's not a good space to be in. Um, but how do we address it, I suppose, or what are the solutions to it? Uh, I think, you know, there's been calls to have, I suppose, more uh, tougher sentencing. I'm not sure increasing the sentences for young people shoplifting is going to actually solve the problem that we need to solve. Although I take on board the point made that if somebody has multiple offences and they're in and out. What if it's not just shoplifting? Because what we heard today is people going in, filming what they're doing and Mm. posting what they're filming on social media. The shoplifting is almost just the bit where they push the boundaries. The antisocial behaviour seems to be the aim of it in some cases. In some cases and I think there's this issue seems to have increased somewhat since the, the COVID period. There seems to be just an increase in in challenges with some with some younger people. Um, so it's not it's not a one size fits all approach. There's, there's different reasons and different I suppose, types of people involved in this. Um, we do need to see extra guards on the street because that would be a deterrent simply if, if the guards are, are visible and around. 
I think we do need to see a situation where a local shop can ring their guard at the station and that somebody will respond fairly quickly. Um, again, that would be a deterrent. I think in, in, in the interest of justice for those that have been wrong, so those retailers, if somebody is before the courts on a regular basis, it shouldn't be just the Probation Act. There should be a sanction. It, you shouldn't be going into the thing and I'll be fine, I'll get away with it and there'll be no consequences. So that has to happen as well. So there's a few things we need to do, I think, to try and, and solve this or reduce the numbers. Uh, Martin Kenny, we, we heard from uh, some retailers there that it could be ours yeah. or Gardaí might never come. Yeah, it's it's a real difficulty and I, I have spoken in the past when I was just a spokesperson for Sinn Féin and with a whole lot of different people around the country and particularly in Dublin city centre uh, with shop owners and business owners who were plagued with people coming in, stealing stuff. You know, sometimes they come in seven or eight together, can't watch them all, impossible. Uh, you know, even even stores that had got security were, on, were just finding it so hard to deal with it. And, you know, the Ring de Gardaí, they may never come, or if they do come, it's long and long after the event. And, you know, in fairness, Gardaí are stretched and have, have a difficult task enough. But one of the big things that they've been saying and saying for probably years at this stage is that they need to see more Gardaí on the beat. They need to see them on the street. They need to be up and down around the areas where people congregate and be watching what's going on. Uh, of course, there's technology as well, and there's CCTV cameras in most of these shops and all of that. That will all help. But really, we, we, we need to, to get a greater presence of Gardaí in there. I think it's is one of the key asks that's coming from that retail sector. As far as who's doing the work and who's carrying out this this new profession that they have seemed to have evolved and developed, it seems to be organised and organised centrally by large groups of gangs that get groups to go in and steal to order and they take what they need and you know sell it elsewhere and there, there seems to be an organised level to it. It's not just somebody right. taking a random opportunity. It's it's a quite an organised and, and that's really the, the disturbing part of it and that's really something that Gardaí need to focus in on and deal with. All right. Or the, uh, there is also that other issue, um, Verona Murphy, which we heard about today, of the staff being targeted, the abuse they're getting, assaults. And uh, it was Shane Gleeson, who works uh, as, as spar in, in Limerick. I heard him on radio earlier on this morning talking about if you don't confront people, they'll just come back with impunity. If you do confront them, you're increasing the risk. It's, yeah. it, it, it seems to be an awful dilemma for uh, shopkeepers and shop staff to be in. Yeah, I recently spoke to a young girl who had taken a job with one of the major food retailers or supermarkets. And the same thing. I mean, it's a huge health and safety issue now for an employee, but also for the employer who has a duty of care to the staff. And yeah, of course, this is uh, uh, as a result of lack of policing resources and this very stretched numbers, resources. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you heard what Lisa said, crimes like this have increased in the thousands fold. I can't, I don't even know what percentage the retailers didn't say, but like it's huge what's happening. And it's as a result of social media. You see this going on in every other country. You see it primarily happening in America. It's looting. It's that bravado. There is no fear among those because they pretty much know that the age they're at, there are no repercussions. And even if the guards are called, they just basically, ASBOs aren't issued, the time and effort that's taken. But it's not a victimless crime. I mean, somebody pays and it ultimately comes down to an increase in the cost of living for someone who pays for their goods on a weekly basis because the security element, all of the additional costs that the retailer puts in place to try to minimise the risk, including the safety of their staff, that has a cost element and it's passed to the consumer who is legitimately paying for their goods and it brings the cost of living to a point of where, you know, 
this is not victimless by any stretch and our resources If, if people want to see more Gardaí on the beat more visible Gardaí Lisa Chambers um, there, there's several demands as to, as to where Gardaí should be we've heard since the riot in, in Dublin on, on November 23rd that there should be public order uh, guards on standby we've heard there needs to be more traffic uh, policing uh, on the roads to set up checkpoints and now here's another area where guards need to be deployed and they're not there in numbers. Yeah, look, I think there's an acceptance that we, we need more Gardaí. The Minister for Justice has said that herself and there's been huge efforts made to get more Gardaí through Templemore and out in, you know, out into different units across the country. Um, you know, we did close Templemore during the pandemic and that has set us back a bit in terms of recruitment. So we're trying to catch up on that uh, and get more guards through. And that's happening. What about um, your Shannon colleague, Michael McDool, talking about the Garda Reserve? Is there any place for that? There is. I actually spoke about that myself yesterday uh, and I'm regularly in the chair when Senator McDool is raising the issue of the Garda Reserve. And I came from a background of the, the Reserve Defence Forces so I have a huge regard for what a reserve force can do. And the point was actually made to the Justice Minister yesterday that we should be doing more to encourage people to join the Garda Reserve. Um, you know, they could be doing administrative duties or helping out in other areas, freeing up other Garda that are permanent part of the permanent force to get out on the beach. That won't solve all our issues, though. That's a small area that can be, can assist. Um, we do need more Garda on the beach. And that is happening. And the numbers coming through now, we are seeing an increase in Garda numbers. Um, but we do need to say, can I just make the point as well, that we often focus on, on Dublin City and the bigger towns but it rural areas everywhere. rural areas need need Garthy as well but I think and I often make the point to somebody from a rural area that there is a view um, that when resources are a bit constrained that they're funneled into the more the more challenging areas if I can say it that way and sure. um, we need to make sure that, that, that this seems to be this seems to be a challenging area that needs the resources and I would say that that's across the board even in smaller rural towns like Castlebar or Westport or but other something towns like in that, that regard that came up this evening in the Shannon and I was watching that debate that it's very contentious is that the new policing bill actually removes the community policing and the joint policing committees. That can't happen because primarily that's how we sort, we we determine the resources that are required at a local level. And I sit uh, hope, usually once a month on the joint policing committee in my own constituency and that just would be detrimental particularly to this complaint. Well just on that particular bill it, it, it did pass through the Dáil and, and you did vote for it um, in the Dáil. It, it passed through all stages so it's coming to us now and it's second go. Um, the, J- the joint policing committees okay. will be uh, abolished but they're being replaced by local community safety partnerships the intention is that they will do s- similar work that kind of the same right. I, I just want to bring, set up I, I, I want to bring in Martin Kenny on, on the issue of juvenile crime what's an effective deterrence without putting somebody on the road I to didn't. having a criminal record yeah. and leaving them in the criminal justice system too early in life and yeah. for too long I, I think you know we have to be to be looking at, at finding more mechanisms of getting in early and ensuring that we can deal with people, particularly vulnerable youngsters there that are, can fall into these traps of crime. And there are a small minority of people, even in our inner city areas, that have that tendency and that, that possibility to happen. But we need to get in there early. We need to get resources put into those communities, certainly. But that isn't excusing what they do. And I think there needs to be deterrence as well and strong deterrence. Uh, we need to have, you know, uh, I think the whole area of restorative justice is something that we need to look at as well. That the people People who carry out these crimes actually have to face the people that they have hurt 
and explain to them what they've done and understand what has happened to them. That has happened in many other jurisdictions and has been very, very effective. Where when a young person actually has to sit down with the shopkeeper and say to them, look, this is what I've done and I'm sorry for doing it. And that shopkeeper can give them a bit of a lecture as to what impact it had on their staff and on everything else in their lives. It can have an impact. And I think that restorative justice area is something that needs to get more development to see if we can use that more effectively for to assist in deterring young people from going down this path. Do you think parents may have a role in it? Parents, well? ha- parents have a huge role in it, certainly. And I, and I think, you know, that, that, isn't, that isn't to say that, you know, parents can often, can often do their best. When they get a bit it. older in life, it's, it's a bit harder to get yeah, a hold of, of it. There's also addiction problems we have in the, a lot of these communities as well. You know, we have a lot of issues there. Right. And, when, well, when, about, and when we have a turn, downturn in our economy, what happens is resources are drawn out of those communities first. And they're the first communities... That really we don't have a downturn in our what? economy. We've not now, but we, when we did have. Right, what about when the role, what about we're, the role we're not social, even caught up What about yet? the role of social media in this? Because in the cases that are, apart from the shoplifting to order, in the cases where people are simply going in to abuse staff for a TikTok video or something else to be posted on social media, do those platforms need to be talked about this being posted and uh, it, some attempt being made to starve this of the oxygen of publicity? There's absolutely no consequence for these young people. I mean, it's the exact same thing as we saw in the Dublin riots. They hid their faces with balaclavas, they went out, they smashed up guard cars, it was a bit of crack for a couple of hours, and then they went home. And it's the same, sure, go into the shop and it'll be a bit of crack and maybe live stream it on certain social media platforms who, you know, the, the owners of those social media platforms harp on about free speech and isn't life great and people should be able to say whatever they want no matter how hateful it is and there's no repercussions for it. I mean, like, it's it's this never-ending sort of aggression that we're seeing now that's that's actually going from social media and playing out in our streets and in our shops, clearly, as well. All right, Lisa Chambers, on, on the, if... Uh, uh, what's what's effectively evidence of a crime is being posted online. Should social media platforms be called to task about this? If this is part of what's fueling it, should it be tackled? Do you mean in terms of preventing it from being posted? From from preventing it from being posted? Yeah, I, 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 I've said Does it at this stage constitute incitement for other people to do it, seeing as it's been celebrated on platforms? I don't think I would go as far as to say that the platforms are facilitating incitement. I mean, I think they have a responsibility and a duty to take things down when they become aware that they're that they shouldn't be up there, but also to monitor using the tools that they have. They can they can they can flag videos when they want to and remove things when they want to. So they often say that we don't have regulations area, we don't have laws in this area, but they have a moral and ethical ob- obligation and, and a duty to act and to make sure that their platforms are safe for users and that their platforms don't cause harm. So clearly if their platforms are facilitating the cause of harm to, you know, our society and our streets, then they do have a duty to act on that. But this isn't just an Irish problem. This is a problem globally in terms of those platforms. I was just going to say, one of the things that always gets me about these social media platforms is that they have algorithms and they have all these things for to sell you stuff for to for to invade your life in every way possible but yet when it comes to looking at something that's harmful oh we we, we can't do that you know there's there's a, there's a gap there somewhere and i think you know it's fine to say that they should be made take things down i think there should be a penalty if they don't take it down fast enough. And I think there should be a penalty if they continuously allow all of this hate and aggression to be going out there and to be... Because what they're doing that for is to draw more attention to their own empire, which is making more and more money for themselves. Right. Uh, Verona Murphy, th- this is not a new problem. It didn't begin post the riots. It didn't begin uh, during the pandemic, although anecdotally retailers would say it was exacerbated by that. Should this have been planned for by now? Uh, 
how did it take this long for the retailers to face the committee and, and lay this out? And what, what would you expect or hope would be done on foot of it? Well, I don't think it has taken the retailers. I mean, this is not, it may be their first time in front of the committee, but it most certainly is not the first time RG Data have pronounced this problem. And I think, yes, I would see that there is a planning matter, but resourcing is also an issue. And I think uh, it's no different, really, to the riots in Dublin. It was plain to be seen that we were going to face that. As I said previously, this is something that's happening in every country. I've seen it on TikTok. It's been brought to my attention. You see it in the States. And it is young gangs who are doing it for, uh, I suppose, right. their pleasure of being able to post a video where they are actually racially abusing So, people. So should this, and, and you, can, you can all come in on this, should this category of worker who were regarded as vital frontline workers mm-hmm. during uh, the COVID. pandemic, mm-hmm. should they get special protection under the law from this kind of abuse, harassment and assault? What do you mean by special protection? As in, for it, we, we saw the, the frontline workers uh, calling for it to be made a special category of an offence to attack them in the line of their duty. Should, should retail workers get that kind of protection as well? So we, we, we've increased offence, we've increased the penalty where you attack, say, a Garda or um, maybe an ambulance worker or somebody in the health, health, in the health sector. Um, so it, it could be looked at. I mean, I think we're, it's, it's difficult to know where you draw the line then because I'm not because, sure that's the, yeah. I'm not sure, I'm not sure that's the solution because obviously if you attack somebody. Everybody should be safe. Like if, well, yeah, yeah, but if you attack somebody, it's already a criminal offence, it's already assault or whatever and you can still be prosecuted. So we're looking, what you'd be looking to do is increase the penalty on the basis of being a, spe- a special car- category of victim and I'm not sure or I'm not sure that's what we need to deal with here. We have an underlying issue in that we have young people, for some reason, the social contract seems to have broken. For some reason, they don't feel like they've got skin in the game or they don't feel like they're part of society and they feel like they have nothing to lose. And that's a wider problem for our society to get to grips with because you can come down hard with all the penalties that you want. It will not fix this problem. Getting in at a young age with youth services, getting into communities, dealing with poverty and deprivation and working with those communities and still making sure that we have law and order and that the penalties are there when you do break the law. But if we're serious about dealing with this issue, we got to start at the bottom. Yes. And it is, but this is going to take time because why are these young people doing what to, to the rest of us is a abhorrent behaviour that we would never consider doing to another human being? Why do they feel they want to do that? Right. And why do they feel so lost in our society? Uh, Martin Kenny, there will be calls for, you know, punishments to be made harsher and for, you know, for, for these people to be cracked down on. But if the harsh conditions of the industrial schools yeah. Didn't clear up the problem of juvenile no, crime. Then, then the you know, and we look Dickensian at other, we, treatment we look of people at, isn't going to work. Is it? We look at the United States where we have you know really very long very long sentences, yeah. huge amounts of people in prison per head of population, and they still have as more bad and, and absolutely more crime than we. Do. Yeah. So you know, the, the, there are, there are other models that we need to look at in dealing with this. I think you know, youth intervention, uh, youth diversion programs, funding of all of that stuff needs to happen and needs to happen quickly. And I take Gabby's point. We're not, a, we're not a poor country, we're not in a recession now. Mm. But when we were, that was the very areas that were cut first. And they were the areas that were last for to see any restoration of those services. And some of them still haven't been restored. It's very sad. And that's that's see, the issues. To see young people who are so angry and who like have this, unfortunately, you know, there is a twisted support on social media. Yeah. Like some people like kind of watching these live streams of sort of, you know, strange stuff happening they get their own kick out of it they might be on the other side of the world so you don't have no idea where they are and you know for young people to be caught up in that and, and Lisa's talking about the social contract 
Like, look, like there, it has been broken. If you look even at the amounts of people that are emigrating, and I know young people always emigrate, but like, you know, rents are really expensive. They're living at home with their parents. They're kind of stuck in this endless loop. And they're sort of maybe finding themselves a little bit trapped in that sense. They're finding that, look, maybe I don't know what the future holds for me. Um, and, and unfortunately, they're turning, to, they're getting very angry and they're turning to these sad outlets. But equally, I think, you know, we're forgetting the fact that we have nearly 7,000 children on waiting lists to be assessed on the basis of having ADHD or, you know, entering the system through the autism sector. And I think that can, that some of those children are going undiagnosed for years and not getting the help or the attention that they deserve to be delivered to them. And I think that certainly is having an impact on society. And like we're talking now about teenagers and upwards young adolescents performing these crimes, but we're also seeing children exploited at a very young age by parents, uh, you know, running drugs. It's not just shoplifting. They're being exploited on the basis of no penalty. Just on that point of of assessment, uh, Lisa Chambers, we saw the green paper on disability where people, you know, would be assessed to see what level of disability payment they needed or whether they could enter the workplace. How can a government be confident that so much assessment resources could be found to implement a system like that when people who very badly need assessments for issues in the present can't seem to get it? Yeah, that green paper, it's a, I suppose, a discussion paper on how we assess um, ability and, and people maybe being able to work. There's a lot of controversy, I think, around that green paper and a lot of pushback, I think, from the disability sector on that. I'm not sure I agree with that approach um, and it's not policy yet. It is a discussion paper, um, but it has prompted a very strong reaction. So I, I'm not I'm not sure we'll go down that path yet. Uh, and I take your point about actually getting assessments. Um, you know, we are struggling as a state to meet the demands and the needs of, of children and young people. We're in Proving and we're putting a lot of resources into it, but we are struggling to hire people into those roles that we have funded, but, but, but we just can't get people hired. Yeah, we've, we've a lot of work to do. We've a lot of work. Yeah, I, was, I was just going to say, Verona mentioned again the racial abuse, and that was mentioned today that a lot of these people that work on these shops, you know, are people from other countries, people, young people that come here from different parts of the world who are working, who are doing their best, and they are abused and attacked. We have the same thing with a lot of the delivery del- drivers, delivery yeah. cyclists mainly, having their bikes robbed, being attacked by gangs, you know, and huge tension and and this you know can can have a boil over situation in some communities that can become very tense and very difficult and it it requires a lot of youth work a lot of intervention and a lot of resources and a lot of investment and if that investment is put in early it saves it down the line because if if you save somebody from going to jail you're saving the state quite an amount of money that keeps them in prison if that money was put into 20 children for a year of a person being in prison 20 children getting the proper services early on, you could save that in the beginning. So I, I think, you know, we need to look at the but stitch in time solution. And right. equally looking at just our, our system of incarceration. I mean, unless we have an education programme within that yeah. system, Actual it is a completely a waste of well, I had, money. I had, I had the, the benefit um, and the eye-opening experience of actually visiting Mount Joy on a couple of occasions this year and towards last year with Lynn Ruan, who brought a delegation of us over. We actually played soccer with the, some of the inmates. Yeah. And what I was really struck by, we went into one wing of the prison, which was kind of where inmates go when they're coming towards the end of their sentence, having gone you know, committed serious crimes and they're about to be you know, close to release. And I was struck by how young they all were. And they were at the end of their sentences. And I just and they all came from 
really about I could probably count in one hand the postcodes mm. that they came from That's right. so we have societal problems and the vast majority have left school before 14 they just I suppose I'm not justifying criminal behaviour absolutely not no but way. we have to acknowledge that there were there was nobody in there from I don't know Fox Rock or Balls you know, Bridge you know what I mean they've gone through pe- cycles pe- of crime yeah. and their family but people might, were the same as them but people might yeah. discount this argument and it's something that uh, it's failed to be recognised where we have high density setting and planning in place this as I said before it's something that the UK moved away from because of the anti-social behaviour element that arises where we have high density dwellings and I think that's something it's been it's now the be all and end all that we build at high density levels and all we're doing are creating the problems in the ghettos of the future 